0: hey what's up
1: everybody this is your boy john patrick and i am so glad to be back tonight because i have truly 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 missed you guys over the past month and a half i mean it seemed like it's been forever since uh there was a podcast but we are back and i am so excited to be back because there are so many wonderful guests that i want to introduce you guys to this uh, season of the podcast and then also just a lot of amazing things that are transpiring and going on and all you ladies you're going to be so happy you're going to see this overlay over me here hey but dope ass daisies is finally here So you'll be hearing a little bit more about that as we progress with time, but I am so excited about that and everything that is going to happen with that. So thank you for um, tuning in tonight and watching and hey, for all your support and just make sure, you know, before you leave out tonight that you subscribe to the YouTube channel make sure you click on the notification button so that after tonight, when we upload a video, you are the first to know about it and the first to watch it. And then if you haven't followed the Dope Ass Dude on TikTok and Instagram, make sure you go out and follow the Dope Ass Dude podcast on Instagram and TikTok. So make sure you do that. And as usual, a new episode every Monday at 7 p.m central standard time so you can always find me here at this time every monday night so i'm really excited about our guest tonight uh met this fella on uh, linkedin and in just chatting with him just a few minutes ago i am big on divine connections uh you've heard me say that a lot and i believe that god brings people into your life For reasons that you don't know, a lot of times the initial thing you think they are there for is really not it. That is just the connecting point. But later in life, at least for me, God always revealed that things were much bigger than what I thought. Um, This guy, he is an author. He is a business owner and he is a genius in his own right. I mean, he's super um, smart. So I am really um, encouraged and excited to bring him out. So let's go ahead and get him on out here.
0: What up, Brandon? hey what's going on man i was listening to your uh introduction i was like who is this guy he introduced (laughs) me the Um, one and only brandon powell that's who man you man i appreciate the invitation man I, i love your platform already because i i appreciate the energy you bring i'm so grateful for the invitation thank you
1: yeah exactly man and i am honored to have you here and like I was sharing with them, you know, we connected on LinkedIn. And it's funny like I'm rarely ever on LinkedIn, but it was, <laughs> you know, we we connected and like you were saying earlier, you know, the connection is for bigger reasons than just tonight. So, I mean, man, when I heard that I was like, god, that is confirmation that this is supposed
0: to be. So, you, you are you originally from Dallas? Born in Dallas, uh raised you know, it's like I was born here, and then we, my family, my mother at the time, immediately we transitioned to uh, Houston. Got a lot of family on my mom's side from Houston. So, growing up, I bounced from Houston to Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, then we finally came back to uh, the Dallas Metroplex in 1999. So, I grew up telling people or thinking in my head that we had all these houses when all the, the whole time all we were doing renting. I was like, oh, I thought we was rich.
1: <laughs> hey man, that's, that's that's the beauty of being a kid. You yeah, know, you exactly. you just appreciate your surroundings. You don't know where it come from, how they got it. You just love it. Yeah, ignorance is bliss. Yes sir. Yes sir. So, okay, so then and you're married and you have kids, right? No,
0: no, no. No kids, uh, not yet. Yeah. So I just have a, a stepdaughter through marriage, but she's grown. So I, when we when we hooked up, it was already understood. There's, there's, we, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have nice. a beautiful, beautiful wife. Uh, and, and so I'm at a stage where I really enjoy uh, spending that time with my nieces and nephews. I love on them real hard. But the beautiful thing about it is after you love on them hard. You're like, all right now, going back to mama. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Same here, man. I have, and people are always blown away when I say this, but I have like over 30 nieces and nephews, right? There's a reason for that. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed uh, with that, yeah. So it's like, hey, I don't need any kids. My oldest niece is 40 and my youngest nephew is two months old. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's like we have a big family. So yeah. I love on them, like you said, while I'm with them. And then as soon as you get done, he's like, OK, I'm good. You can <laughs> think about that. So, yeah. So, OK, so and then also you're an author, you're an author. And I definitely want to talk about the art of business. I know that is your fifth book. I just found that out. But that's your fifth book and you're working on book six. So tell us a little bit about the art of business. And
0: So. The Art of business came as a result of bumping my head for years and not wanting my clients to experience the same thing. And so uh, it's a it's a combination of about seven hundred and fifty hours of just hard knocks in the field, lessons learned, listening to clients. And a lot of times clients and people will tell you things without telling you if you listen through the things that they're concerned about, the things that they get excited about. And so, um naturally as a as a teacher and things like that i just wanted to put it down in writing i don't like learning things that i can't um duplicate or empower others it's just a waste to me why did i learn it if i can't give it to somebody else and so that's what that book is about it's specifically for entrepreneurs who want actionable things every single page is dedicated to people who need something that week that day that moment could impact their business. And so it's not it's not really uh, full of theory, so to speak. It's things that that had I not conveyed those things well, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been compensated. And so I I made sure to put things in there that actually have been tried and tested. So how did you. You know, and this is all going to tie back to the book. So how did you
1: get started like as an entrepreneur? How did you? Because a lot of people want to know they have all of these brilliant ideas. I mean, a lot of people are sitting on some amazing things, but they just don't know
0: how to get started. So how What? what's your story? Uh, Man, I think I got thrust in. There's certain things about entrepreneurship that's connected to leadership. And so I have to tie that to it. Uh, oldest of five um grew up never actually met my father never saw him and so I was thrust into leadership as the oldest and I had two younger brothers and two younger sisters and I was I was thrust into leadership and I didn't want it I just wanted to be a kid and so what that did for me it went from the trauma of that to then it became a skill I I kind of got comfortable with with the chaos of being in leadership and having to be an example. And so when it came to entrepreneur entrepreneurship, I remember being in college, I went to a community college initially, and I didn't know that I was behaving like an entrepreneur, but I, I, had, I was adopting some leadership skills and a few people kind of took interest in me and was supporting me and speaking life into me. And one of the counselors, she was like, Brandon, you're an entrepreneur. And I, and I, I smiled, but I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> I didn't know what the concept of entrepreneur meant, not, not at that time. And I kind of explored it later. And what got me into it was my passion for serving others. And so it started with me uh, exploring entrepreneurship. What does that actually mean? And then I started filling orders for t-shirts, you know, everybody want to get into the t-shirt business. And so I got into it from that standpoint and taking orders for churches that wanted shirts. And then i had a graphic designer at the time who would fulfill the orders on the back end on the design part and so fast forward i ended up going back to school getting a certification for graphic design because i've always liked to draw and it was like i started realizing a lot of these skills what i call dormant skills were in me that i had been blessed to to utilize i just didn't even make the connection and so i had I had to do for myself first what I started doing for my clients is like, what are the things you already been having in you that you can use? And so that journey has been over 16 years now. And so whatever polished look I have now, man, this stuff was raggedy, toe up, didn't know what I was doing. And I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm still figuring it out, but I'm enjoying it along the way. Wow.
1: Wow. So, yeah, I mean, so it's like a natural leadership. You just pretty much
0: possess those skills. Do you? Would you say that? Uh, you know, leadership is a thing that you have, but you don't have. You never reach it. Um, you know, it was scary being the oldest of five and trying to trying to adopt those those responsibilities. But I, I, I've kind of gotten a little bit more accustomed to it. It's kind of like being a person who's around a lot of uh, adversity. You don't wish that you get to the point where you don't worry about the adversity leaving. You just get more comfortable navigating around it. And I think that's just life period. Yeah. And so um I think there is a correlation between leadership and entrepreneurship. It's hard to be a good entrepreneur for the long run if you don't, if you don't have some stick to itiveness, some leadership skills. Um, but again, it's it's I'm ever learning. I'm ever learning to, to to be a better leader, to be a better man and be a better person. And um the journey has been I've grown so much and still looking forward to grow as a result.
1: Mm mm-hmm. So on that, do you think because a lot of people are visionaries, so they I mean, they're, they're given visions, but they don't know how to implement it. You know, they don't know how to bring it to, you know, manifest it. So what how do you suggest someone who is a visionary? They've been given a concept, but what steps should they take if they are not the one that can actually bring it to life? What's,
0: what, how, what would you suggest they do? Um, You know, to be quite honest, a lot of the people and clients that I meet are very, very gifted, very gifted. They, they have great vision and to, to oversimplify it, I just will call it ideas. A lot of the people that I know and meet, man, they they're flooded with ideas. And what's interesting about your question is I just, posted a reel on Instagram on my page about the struggle of having too many ideas and not knowing how to implement them. It's like I got this idea. I used to joke with a client I would meet it with once a week based on our program we were doing. Every time I met with her, and if she's listening, she know who I'm talking about, she would have another no, she would have two or three new ideas for a business. So she was flooded with vision and and ideas. She was super and all of them were great. And so what it taught me is that I'm not going to make a client feel bad for being gifted. I don't think that's the solution. Right. But I do understand that it's a struggle to say, okay, how do I carry this out? Which one do I carry out? And so the concept that I learned, um, is what I call the crock pot, the oven and the skillet. What that simply means is it's a, it's, it's a process for when you implement and execute your ideas. Not every idea that you have that feels powerful is meant to be implemented to the fullest extent every single time, because what if you have ten ideas in a month? If everything is a priority, nothing's a priority. Mm. And so what I realize is that through that struggle, that tug of war, I I know that there's nothing wrong with this, but how do you how do you help a client who who's flooded with this and and me, too? I had to struggle with that and still do. the skillet, it represents a stove. A stove has four burners. It, it's a representation of capacity and it's meant that you process faster. So those ideas from a metaphor standpoint, you're going to process within two weeks or less. You give, you give attention to that immediately. But typically what happens is when we are, when we have all the stuff on the stove already, yeah, that don't mean we don't have new ideas. We still have more ideas coming while we're while we're focused on what's already cooking where do we put those ideas well you put them in the next phase the oven the oven cooks slower a skill a, a stove cooks much faster it's meant to but it also means you got to give attention to that stuff mm. you ever been cooking and listening to music and taking care of kids and doing multiple things all of a sudden you you smelling you smelling smoke and that and that and that pork chop and that steak that that was tenderized and you didn't season. Now it's tartar, you know, or is it's it's overly burned. Not tartar, but it's oh it's opposite of tartar. It's, it's blackened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's because we we fail to give attention to that. Well, what does that look like from a business standpoint? What does burnt look like from a business standpoint? It means fatigue, exhaustion. You don't have no more energy for it because you you couldn't give attention to it because you were doing other things. So then the oven is meant to be a process a little bit slower. So you give yourself three to six weeks. From a practical standpoint, you got stuff on the stove already on the on the actual burners. New idea hits you. What does that look like? Because it got to be practical. It's a what's today? Today's Monday. That means ooh ideas hit me. Just write that thing down. Maybe research it for an hour. Get get that passion. Let Don't deny it. Research it for an hour. But don't research it for three weeks in a row, because now you got other stuff on the stove. The beautiful thing about writing things down is that you give the opportunity to take it from your head and put it put it somewhere permanent. And so that's what I recommend. The skillet then the oven. Now, there's some things that will still come. Even the oven has capacity you may fill up that oven so then it's the third phase the the crock pot most of us do not like cooking in a crock pot because it take too long if my family uh invite me over and i know only thing they're using to cook is crock pots they say be over there too i ain't gonna show up till six What are we going to do? You're going to send me to the store to go get some more ketchup, some more ranch. You're going to send me on errands because that food's going to take forever to cook.
1: Right. Yeah. But
0: if you show up after it's done, you know that thing, man, it's going to be falling off the bone. It's going to taste good. So what does that mean from a business standpoint? Those ideas, instead of trying to put it in the oven or, or the, uh or the skillet, put it in the crock pot. That means it's going to rest for a minute for four to six months. Now, you say, well, I don't have that much time to be waiting on ideas. No, it's not about that. It's about you giving yourself permission to focus on the stuff that you already are cooking. And guess what? If you get done with what's on the skillet, those four burners, and you're done processing those ideas, it's a conveyor belt. Move what was in the oven to the skillet. And move what was in the crockpot to the oven. So you, it's not about permanently separating ideas and never giving attention to them. It's giving yourself permission to prioritize and not feel bad about ideas because most people I know that are small business owners and they have ideas all the time. Yeah. Just meeting people, networking all the time. It happens. So that's what I'd recommend.
1: Yeah. Now, one thing I did like that you said earlier, and I want to know what you feel, how important you think this is. You said your first business was a T-shirt company. So you went back, you learned graphic design. So you equipped yourself with the knowledge, but then you hired someone to do the work. How important is it, you know, because a lot of times people have visions, but we never put the time and effort to learn what that business is. So if it is a t-shirt, we never equipped ourselves with the knowledge of graphic design. We, we don't even get on the computer, try to figure it out. We'll just outsource that to someone. How important is it for you to know not every aspect, but a lot of, or the majority of the aspects of your business
0: that it takes to make it happen. Um, a good question. I, I don't know if it's important for you to, for a person to know every aspect. I think they should know enough to hold, hold others accountable. I think they should know enough to hold other, others accountable. Um, and, and, and you have to forgive me because I get excited and I get, I get to exp overly explaining because it's my interest to try to really educate. And, and even to your earlier point about the vision and implementing it, you, you got to get started. You got to make sure you get started and, and, and process it as, as quickly as you can. But to your second question, you know, um, there's three phases that you can choose. You can choose to implement, outsource or resource. I when I was starting off um, and doing the T-shirt company, you know, I wasn't physically pressing the shirts. I had a company that was doing it um, and I just I just really was very zealous. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just jumped out. I was pure zeal and the opportunity came graphic design. I didn't know how to do. But I would talk to the client and what I noticed was the better I got it understanding and asking questions to the client, the better I made it easier for the graphic designer. And so I started realizing, realize, oh, oh, okay, this, I can make this easier for everybody. But I chose to implement graphic design because I realized it's connected to a skill I already had. I, I love drawing as a kid. So you got to decide what are your skills? If, if you're going to decide to implement something, is that something you have the time to do and you want to do? Because you can't implement everything. Otherwise, you'll bottleneck yourself, you know, every single time. And so uh, the second phase is outsource. That's where your vendors and your suppliers are. But to your point, if you're going to partner with the vendor, you got to trust them. You got to know that they're reliable and you got to know how, how what the expectations are. Otherwise, you won't know if they're doing good or bad. So you do need to know and understand something. But the reason you partner with them is. so you can delegate, so you can free yourself up. And then uh, resource is sometimes the market is going to ask you for things. You know, like if somebody hit me up today and like, hey, I really saw I saw your interview, man. You seem like you're a cool guy. Um, You know, I I know you do business therapy and things like that. Do you also uh, mow lawns? I mean, it's like a weird question that's outside of my scope, but, but believe it or not. I've had people ask me questions at home about things I don't even do. But what I learned about that is they are drawn to the person. And so they, what they're saying is I'd love to work with you in some kind of way, uh, if possible. So what I learned to do with those people, it's a resource. You know, I don't, I don't mow lawns. I don't watch kids. I don't do that kind of stuff, but I do know a guy, I do know another business that you, I can connect you to. So even though I don't do it, I'm still a resource. And they still end up appreciating my company because I still help them as long as who I connect them to does their job. They'll still think highly of me. And so we've all I think if you've been in business long enough, you'll have people ask you questions like that all the time. that will be random. and Like, you don't do this. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. But I try to go to the next step and give them a resource if I can.
1: Wow. And that I mean, that speaks volumes about you, you know, in regards to that you are open enough. Cause there are a lot of people, they'll say, well, do you know somebody who does, or do, like you said, a guy say, Hey, do you mow lawns? So a lot of people will not refer someone on out, uh, you know, after that. So that is like, that's dope that you even do that. I mean, that speaks volumes about you as a person, man. That's, that's really good. So we have a question for you and they want to know something I was going to ask. So Yolanda is asking, how do we purchase the book?
0: Oh, well, thank you so much, Yolanda. Um, if you uh, if you visit the my website, therapyfirm.com dot com, and if you click on the tab that says resource, um, the book is available uh, if you click on it. And the reason that I don't have it available on Amazon is because um, we self publish our own books and, you know, I'm. I'm I'm stingy about my coins, and so I control the the shipping and and, and uh, the process. Uh, and I and I also do a lot of workshops. So usually my books I'm giving to people in person, and so um, I wasn't, you know, I'm an, I write books, but I'm not, you know, I'm not an author that's traveling all the all the globe. I just had a passion, and I'm thankful that I was able to put it in writing. So, yep, therapy dot com, dot com, and just hit uh, resources, and we'll get it shipped out to you.
1: Yeah. And what people, a lot of people don't understand this about like Amazon and so forth. So what they don't understand a lot of times is that Amazon may sell your book for $25. You don't get the whole $25. No, not you at don't all. get it. You, you get like a, a fraction of that, maybe six or $7 of that $25 and Amazon gets the remainder because Amazon, they print your book. You don't have to They don't store it there. They print it. They ship it. They do all of that. So the writer is really not, the author is really not getting all their money. And people, a lot of times, they they don't understand the power of buying the book or the item from the actual seller, the person who created it, because they, in that form, they get the money. Mm -hmm. You know, you cut out that middleman. Amazon, people, y'all think y'all... Uh setting folks up for success when you say, Oh, I'm just gonna get your book on Amazon because you don't want them to have, have your credit card number. No, you're shortening <laughs> them because Amazon <laughs> is getting the majority of their money. So go yeah. on out to therapy, and get this book directly from uh Brandon so this brother can get
0: paid. I appreciate it. And you know, it's not not without trying. You know, I've I've done my research and when you've self-published books for yourself and you do it for clients you learn to understand what goes on in the back office. And so I know too much about the the process for me not to be okay with that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'll take the support anyway. We can get it. I I definitely appreciate it. Thank you. So, and then I,
1: so you are a business therapist. So, I mean, when I heard that, I mean I love new innovative stuff I've never heard and I've never heard of a business therapist and then you got the therapy firm like how did you come up with that man
0: I wish I could take credit for that man i I, I could I'm not smart enough to uh, come up with something like that on my own I'm gonna tell you what happened um, I had leno hand consulting as I was telling you uh, offline and so I was gonna pivot and so I was playing around with some different ideas. And uh, my wife, um, who we were dating at the time, she would notice how I was doing my sessions. I, I just went by a business consultant. And so um, she would listen to my sessions. And, you know, we t- I talked about, look, I'd love for you to kind of cover my gaps and see what I don't see support. You know, that's kind of the relationship we have. And so after a few sessions. Um, she said, you know what, you really not a business consultant you're, you're a therapist you're a business therapist and that was the first time I had ever heard of that and so but when she said it I was like hmm it made it made, it made sense and so I told you offline I moved fast and slow and I just immediately ran with it and so it just kind of talk about vision and implementation when it makes sense to you and you've got the time to I immediately put that on the skillet let's bring it full circle I immediately put that on the skillet on the stove and I, I just began to work on it and so uh it made a lot of sense and of course i tested it out in different settings and and i just ran with it but it didn't change who i was i still was doing what i was normally doing It's just that it. i just called it i called it something differently and uh, so there's no couch i'm not giving out medication i don't have no you know i'm not giving you out i'm not giving out tylenol or ibuprofen nah. <laughs>
1: Well, Mrs. Powell, you are the creative genius. I gave Brandon the credit earlier. It's you because when I hear business therapy, a uh, therapist and therapy firm, dude, no lie. I mean, I love that type of creativity. It's just it's just amazing. So, we have another question for you already. So, the question is, when should one expect to make a profit after starting a business? Is there a time frame or
0: that's a great question. Um, I, well, I'll start out by by giving you a generic answer, and I'll try to get more specific. It really depends on how much you're investing, because profit is is based on how much your expenses are and how how long it takes for you to recover. So, if you only invest a dollar, I'm just just follow the example. If you only invest a dollar, and all of a sudden your first client, you make you know fifty dollars. Well. You obviously didn't take long to make a profit, but most of us to really answer that question, we've got to identify what are all of our expenses to get started. If we lay out what all it's going to take to get started, even if you don't can't list everything, just list out as much as you can. Is it a product that you're offering? Is it a service? And so. That's more of a generic answer, but let me give you a specific answer. And I, I, if I get a chance to talk talk with you offline, I'd love to kind of dig deeper. Uh, I would say to get a profit, uh, you really probably can get a profit consistently within about a year or less. I, I, let me say about nine months to a year. But I really encourage people to think from the mindset of expect success and move accordingly. And so if if my goal is to just make a profit, then cool. If that happens in the first 30 days. But really, my when I'm with clients, I ask them, how much money do they want to make in 12 months? And I don't let it I don't let it become a generic number. G- give me the number. Is it 50,000? Is it 100? And so they give me that number. And I what I do is I reverse engineer it. The day they ask me, what's today? Today's December the uh, 5th um and i say okay by december 5th of next year specifically and so if you divide that by if it's a hundred thousand you divide it by 12 12 months in a year and you divide it by four because it's four weeks in in a month on average and then we look at that number weekly monthly and then that'll tell me what i need to be doing because every week that's accountability and so I, I now am moving forward to support you. So this question, when should I, when should I expect a profit from starting a business? First thing I got to ask is how much money do you want in the next 12 months? Because all I'm going to do is get very specific because this isn't a, just, a, I, to me, it isn't just about when you're going to make a profit. It's really how I'm going to thrive and sustain myself. And if you got a part-time job, when can I transition? All those things are really connected to that to me. Um, so, uh, if you got a follow-up, I love to, I love to tackle it. Hopefully I, I help by answering that.
1: Nice. Yeah. I mean, I loved how you said, you know, I think a lot of times when we get the vision that we want to start a business, a lot of people never sit down and, and do the cost analysis. How much is it going to cost to actually bring this to life? And then what, um, profit am I trying to make from it? So with the t-shirt, you have to do your research. You just can't say, oh, I'm gonna start a t-shirt company. You need a press machine. You need, you know, you need all of that. How much are t-shirts going to cost? All of that type of stuff. And a lot of times people do not do that. So what how important, well, we know it's a very is it super important by the time they come to you for advice that they have a budget and they've already done a cost analysis. Is that important before they come to you? Or is that something you help them with?
0: Oh, to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what stage they come to me at. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the the kind of clients that typically are drawn. We're drawn to each other from the service provider to client. Typically the people I'm working with, they're serious. They're serious about their vision, regardless of the stage, whether they just started two days ago, well, they've been in business for 20 years and they kind of had this mindset like I'm going to figure it out. I, it may, be, may take me a minute, but I, they're kind of determined. And so all I do is I say, OK, I'll be a third party resource. I'll be I'll be a support system to accelerate what you were going to get done anyway. And so if they come to me and they just started their business and I'm talking with them, I am like, man, this person seems serious and they seem gifted at what they do. I, I'll say, OK. Tell me about your vision and then let's fill in the gaps so they don't have to have all this business plan stuff. Cause first of all, when people transition from a job or they've been having a passion on their mind, they're thinking about what I call the isolated skill set. If I'm a mechanic and I've been working for a, 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 a maintenance shop, I got real good at it. I gave ideas to the boss. They ignored me the whole time and I'm ready to start my own thing. But what, what they're focused on is I know how to work on cars and they're good at it. Yeah. The difference is once they start opening that business they get surprised because they go from an isolated skill to now they got to realize I got to be HR, I got to do marketing, I got to do collections. And that's really the surprise that most entrepreneurs go through is that they they realize they got to manage all those other things and so I don't really care what stage they they come to me at because I'm interested in supporting um, uh, but what I'll try to do is let them know based on where they are, what does, what does the roadmap look like for you? And I'm not going to know that until I get to know them. And I'm, I'm always going to be interested. Nice. Nice. So we have another question
1: here for you. It's all, man, you hot tonight, dude. So Yolanda asked another question. Do you offer a consultation appointment prior to offering a full
0: session? Yes, because you have, uh, supported my guy, uh, john patrick this evening um i will offer a a complimentary uh session i will um i will do that uh normally i don't um and i'll be honest with you i I really i'm I'm a giver so i a lot of times if i believe in a person i'll just you know i do a lot of things for the for the client and so uh, if you go to therapyfirm.com schedule a consultation Fill out the form this evening or probably by 8 a.m. tomorrow and use the promo code. um, The business therapy firm TBTF23 It's going to ask you for a promo code uh, or at least mention in the comments that, you know, John, something to let me know uh, that that you affiliated with with John because he invited me here. So I'll definitely do that
1: oh nice man thank you thank you thank you and then we have another question for you so far is attending vendor events important how do you
0: choose the right event to attend i really appreciate that question tammy um and i hope that i can chat with you offline to to learn more about this so is attending vendor events important yes how do you choose the right uh, event to attend So I would answer that by telling you this. You have to understand who your target audience is. And so let me just give you an an extreme example. If I go to 100 vendor events where my target audience is not there, I've wasted my time. If I go to two events where my target audience actually is there, I would have done more benefit to my business than going to 100 to pick the wrong people there. So it really begs the question is, how do I define who my right people are? And I'm going to tell you what most people are thinking about when I say this. They're like, but I want to serve everybody. I don't want to leave nobody out. I want to make money with everybody. There is a. This isn't about favoritism. This is about maximizing your time. And so uh, I have a whole um, process where I explain all that. But it, it really is. It is important to go to vending events where your target audience will be. And, and that's how you choose the right events. And so uh, if you were to go to a site and you think about who you who you normally serve, pay attention to who's gonna be there, pay attention to how many people is gonna be there, pay attention to what side of town it's on, pay attention to uh, the dress code, pay attention to um, the reviews, because when you're a vendor, I'm assuming you're asking this as a vendor, if you go to this event you want to learn the hospitality of how how the host treats vendors. I've had bad experiences as a vendor where I go and the main attraction is in one room and I'm a vendor. I'm way I'm like, how how are they going? How are they going to come to my table? So pay very close attention to the reviews. Ask about people who've been vendors at events. Hey, do they normally have traffic flow through? How, do they normally over advertise and say a lot of people going to be there and then you show up and it ain't nobody there? You know, ask those kind of questions. And so um, what you'll notice about me is if if I'm having a session with a client, I'll take the time to learn about these things. And if we if we create a curriculum, which we have, we'll address these kind of things to make sure that you show up to the right vending events um, and you're maximizing your time. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. So another
1: question for you, Brandon. What are your thoughts on pop-up shows? Uh,
0: You know, pop-up shops, I think is good. Um, I'm assuming with pop-up shops, you probably got a product and it's really good for instant gratification for the market because you, you, but see, it's the same thing. Where are you popping up? You know, where are you popping up? If you're, if you're popping up in the area that's high traffic where where your target audience is going to be, I mean, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. And, and so um, I remember I was talking to a client and she couldn't figure out who our target audience was. And I said, well, tell me about a time you had a really good experience with a client. And so she did long story short, we figured out from that experience, she already had, we figured out who our target audience was. And then I said, okay, take that description. You just gave me, tell me about the, the ethnicity of this person, their financial status, where they normally shop, where they normally live. And I said, well, currently have you been going to places where those kind of people are? She said, no. So if it's a pop-up shop, you vending, whatever, if it's a conference symposium, what we need to do typically is get clarity before we start creating the marketing material and start executing. That's the whole premise of, of why I do business therapy or attempt to um, it's because I'm trying to get that clarity first. I want to answer these kind of questions first because eventually we deal with flyers and, and logos and all that. But I like to answer these kind of questions first mm-hmm. because if you don't get that clarity, man, you can show up at a pop up shop, have the best looking material, but then you won't really be able to maximize that opportunity. Wow.
1: Yeah, because research is so important. I've done vendor events in the past and, and maybe the vendor fee is not that imp- you know that expensive. But if you go somewhere, like you said, that your clientele or people that are interested in your type of product, you have to work that much harder to sell your product. Even if it's $100 and you sell uh, your stuff for 20 bucks, but you're at an event that they're not interested in your stuff, you got to sell five of your stuff and then- probably another five just to make a profit nobody wants to break even you want to make some type of profit
0: so it's so important to research it it is and and i don't want to scare the audience by saying they gotta you know just become experts at research there's a support system you know i know the questions to ask so we can save time um because you know i've bumped my head and i've got you know i've got the knots to prove it you know and i why would i want the people I meet in my life to go waste time going through those the same things if, if I can if I can help save them some time. And so uh it, it's important to know that it's important to research. But I've also met clients who they plan to get started, but because they keep learning new things that they didn't know, it paralyzes them. And I don't want you to be paralyzed, but I also don't want you to not, you know, be so zealous that you don't really take the time to look into anything. so what's the balance? The balance is getting a third party resource that says, you know what? Um, you know what it's like? It's like if you were going to run full speed in a dark room, you got zeal, you got passion, but you don't have clarity. So you about to hit something pretty quick. And if you've ever walked in a dark room, even when you walk walking, when you don't know where a certain object is, it always hurts worse because you didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And so with, with business owners, it's the same, you know, it, it, you get a support system where they say, OK, here's a good clear pathway. Press the gas as hard as you want. And it's nothing like knowing you can press the gas and go full throttle with your passion because you got clarity. So these kind of questions are good because um, it's not about not doing it or doing it. It's about getting that clarity first. Wow. So what
1: are some common branding and marketing mistakes? So we already know the first mistake they make, and that's not contacting the therapy firm. So that's the first mistake you made. So we're going to just, we'll take that one off the list. We won't let Brandon said I'm going to say first mistake, you didn't contact the therapy firm. So what yeah, are common yeah. branding and marketing mistakes people
0: make? Oh, man. Um, so I'm going to give a disclaimer by saying this. Most of the clients that have um, branding and marketing mistakes Is not because they're not gifted. You know, if you cook barbecue, it's not an indictment on your ability to cook barbecue. If your business, if your branding and marketing isn't in place, that's just not your specialty. And it's unfair to, for you, if you're a business owner, if you don't have your branding and marketing in place, the way you think you should don't, it's not a reason to feel like you're not a good business owner. You're a great, you're a great business owner. You have that core skill for a reason. I could never do your core skill the way you do. And so common branding, uh, marketing mistakes, um, logos, uh, business cards. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple of terms uh, to, the, to the audience. And if you're in the comments, you can tell me if you've ever heard of this or if you listen to this later and you, we talk about it, let me know. So for one, most of the time when a logo is created for a client uh, 70% of the time is usually done wrong. And by wrong, I mean, it's not going to perform and get help make you money, get you the, the, the recognition you need. And it's not going to be versatile in the market. And you're going to run into situations where, you know, there's not going to be the proper format and all this other kind of stuff. So logos typically are done wrong. And when they're done, the client gets a logo and they look at it on their phone and they're like, man, this looks great. I'm about to use it. Well, we used to give uh, the client what's called a visual identity guide. And so when I say something like that, it's like, well, have you ever heard of that? Well, if you haven't, which 90% of people have never heard of something like that, what is that document? That document gives you your color codes, your fonts, the history, the origin of what that is. Then it tells you where to use your logo in different situations, again, against light backgrounds, dark backgrounds, same color backgrounds. How did, what logo to use in different situations? What it's doing is telling you, you gave birth to your baby. This is how you dress them, dress your baby in different situations. And nobody usually does that. They say, okay, here, your baby, go figure it out. And you just happy and you run into different situations where you don't realize that you're supposed to have this version. You're supposed to have that version. And um, we, we try to give it to them all at once. And so that, that's one of the mistakes. Um, the other thing is, is, is uh, the business cards uh, typically because if your logo is done wrong, then your it's it's impacting everything else. So, and I'll address color codes. So what does color codes mean? If you're going to buy an office and, and set up a space and your colors in your logo, are green and uh, purple for example well green and purple is generic you need to know the exact color code of green and color code of purple why because you gonna get cards printed flyers printed t-shirts made website made and guess what those are four or five things I mentioned those vendors don't talk to each other so what will happen is you look up and you got five different shades of green six different shades of purple because every time you gave that logo, the vendor didn't care. They just guess or they matched it as close as possible. And you have inconsistency across your branding. And if you open up an office and you don't even know the color codes, you looking at it like, Oh, I think it matched this color and you paint your wall to make it look nice and match. And you look up and it's inconsistent. So we give you the color codes uh, to make sure that that, that, that is consistent. You can control and you know, and you really make a good impression on a vendor and you ask them to print something for you and you say, hey, here go my artwork and here go the color codes. They're going to look at you funny because they're going to be like, oh, I can't take advantage of this client. She knows what she's talking about or he knows what he's talking about. Wow. And so it, it makes a big difference. Wow. And you do logos, business cards,
1: just putting it out there. You do all of that, right? That's a service that you provide. Mm-hmm. So one-stop shop. So again, first common mistake is not contacting the therapy firm (laughs) right there. You would already had your color scheme and everything right there. So Brandon, (laughs) we have another question for you. All right. What would you tell someone who wants to start a business, but doesn't know what they are passionate about? What should they do?
0: I, I think, um, I think this is a question that's dealing probably more with, um, well, I would probably need to sit down and, and just kind of learn. It may sound strange, but I need to learn their work history. I need to learn every single kind of job you've done in life. Cause what I'll do is I'll listen for you. What's called your skill inventory. Because if you don't know what you should do, I'll look back through the old chapters of your life and I'll find out what you've been doing. And then I'll figure out how to tell you, based on the different things you've done. Like, for example, if you worked in call centers and you did customer service and you did that, well, that means you probably got some good composure. You got hospitality, you got some good control. And so I'll listen to all those different things you've done. And then I'll say, okay, based on all these different things, I think you could do good in this or this or this, and we'll just lay out the options. And so the goal is you're going to notice a common thing. We want to get clarity there's no way I can just look at a person and say, you know what, try this business. Cause now I'm, su- I'm suggesting things to them based on what I like. But if I had a chance to talk to uh, my two cents uh, that's, that's presenting this question, I'd be very curious about their work history. What, what kind of things have you done? Have you done construction? Have you done landscaping? What, what have you done? Because if a person is unsure what to do, but they're interested in starting a business, man, that's all I need. You, you're interested in starting a business. Okay. say less. Let's let's now talk about what your work history is, because I'm going to pull out. Here's what I would say. People are always looking for business loans. But what they fail to realize, money's already hiding inside of them. Through their skills. Nice. Yeah. So I would I would imagine I hadn't met my two cents, but you probably got. At least thirty thousand dollars worth of skills that you can implement over the next eighteen months. So, if I came
1: to you and I said, "I want—I'm uh, not sure what I'm passionate about, but I want to be Bill Gates rich," what would you tell me? <laughs> I figure out what you've been doing. It if,
0: look, <laughs> I'm gonna figure out what kind of work you're doing. You've been, you've been engineering. Bro. <laughs> I'm gonna—I'm gonna figure out what you're doing. Uh, but I'm—you uh, know what? I actually had somebody that um i don't know if they were serious or not i told you about how i'll I'll do that principle where i say start with what you want and then work backwards i was like so how much money you want to make i was talking to a client and he said uh he said some ridiculous number he was like 20 million he was thinking that it was going to stop there for me but when you take 20 million you divide it by 12 and then you divide it by four after I got done doing those numbers, I said, OK, so by the end of this week, by Saturday, are you on schedule to make four hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars? What do you think his answer was? No. And you know what? No judgment. I'm OK with that. All I'm going to do is say, OK, by the following Saturday, because it's going to be carryover, right? You had a deficit. It's going to carry over. Let's figure out what skills, what things we need to do, because to, we can't set goals up here, but then put in action up down here. I have. I'm objective. I don't care what your number is. All I'm going to do is try to match the action and activity to to match what your number is. You could tell me you want to make twenty dollars in a year. We need to match the activity with the goal. And so, he he realized in that moment that he probably wasn't going to be able to do enough in enough time to catch up. So he needed to either lower the number or increase his skills. Wow.
1: Wow. Okay. So, and I mean, man, time is just like really flying by. So what are some tips for effective branding and marketing that you suggest? Number one, I'll say it for you. Number one is consult the therapy firm. That's the number one tip consult the <laughs> therapy firm. So there you go. So you can go on now with number
0: two. Um, So, Tips for effective branding and marketing, I would say understanding, understand that marketing communicates uh, uh, a few things, effective uh, marketing. Um, If you look at a flyer or your flyer or your business cards, it's going to do three things. It's going to inform, impress and intrigue. That's what it should do. Inform means there's words on it there's words on the uh, on the information because i need to know what you do but it can't only be words reason being because if you've ever checked your mail and you get those uh, uh what are those normally the home insurance the state farm um those letters the word that solicitation letters as soon as you get them what do we normally do with those letters we open them up and we rip them up and we throw them away why because it's a bunch of information that we're not interested in now you don't know if what was in that letter could have changed your life. We will never know because we're gonna we we're just not interested. So, but it needs to inform, but it can't only do that. It can't put just a bunch of words on your flyer because it's too crowded. You need I use a term where you called you need to give your eyes a chance to breathe. It needs to have space. So that's inform. Then it needs to impress. How do you impress? With images. So now you're taking words and images blending it together now there's a good way to do that and there's not so good but that's the point inform and then impress then intrigue intrigue means to me i define it as curiosity that leads to action so inform impress intrigue is what you're going to do to create effective marketing now if you've got your logo in place that's dealing with your branding and it's consistent and all those other things that's what's going to help you um, uh, be more effective. But if your cards are on the table amongst other cards, if it's doing those three things, you're more likely for someone to say, Oh, what, what kind of business is that? They'll at least pick it up. Now I make, I'm not going to guarantee that when we work together, that everybody's going to be wanting to pick up your card. But what happens is if your if your branding and marketing is not in place, well, most people won't even pick it up. That's what I call inquire. If you can't even get someone to inquire and be curious, how are you going to convert them to a sale? So what my job is to to get you to become more interesting enough to where they will at least inquire. Now, once they call you and do business with you, now I get to relax a little bit because now we get to see you shine because you already have that gift. You already know how to work on cars. You already know how to make barbecue. That's not my job. I'm doing the alley-oop. I just know that you... I'm gonna do your part after I've done mine. So, that would be a tip for effective branding and marketing. Make sure your stuff informs well, not over communicating, but enough to where we understand what you do. Impress. Use quality, high-resolution images, images that are sharp, that look nice, and then create intrigue, blending the images and words together well enough to where people are curious and they want to call you, or visit your website, or whatever yeah. the case may be. Wow. So,
1: uh,
0: Brandon, let me say this,
1: because I know we live in this world now where social media is there. So everybody depends on social media for publicizing this stuff, not taking into consideration. There are algorithms, you know, Instagram and Facebook. They are only giving your information to so many people. How important is it? Like when we listen to you talk about what you do, you can articulate that like it's nothing. So let's take away from that social media and get to that face to face interaction. How important is it for you to be able to articulate your business just as quick as you would in a real or not even so much a real, but two to three minutes that people are not bored by listening to you? How important
0: is that? I think it is important um, above all of that, because I'm not I'm not suggesting that every person um, has to become like a public speaker or just be articulate and all that stuff. I think just authenticity be authentic, but you you're able to rest and be comfortable with who you are. When you put in the private preparation, if you talk to a mechanic and they've been working on cars for years and you talk to them about that subject, if they know what they're doing, they're, they're going to be able to articulate in a, in a, um, in An authentic way doesn't matter their accent, their their slang, their dialect. You can read from them that they're they're, they're genuine and they know what they're doing. And so um, I think that's a that's a key. Now on the other end of it, I never want to um, stop doing personal development. Personal development is is important to me, uh, but self awareness is important. How will you know what to work on if you're not being honest with yourself? with your weaknesses, with your strengths. And so um, I don't read physical books as much as I used to because my, my schedule, but I listen to a lot of books uh, or at least I try and I keep a notepad clip close by to write down my ideas. And I usually, like I told you offline, every six to nine months, I'm trying to become better. I want to look back nine months from now and be like, you know what? I don't remember that guy because I've, I've, I've shared and I've become a little bit better and the things that I used to think it's elevated, it's become a little bit better. Even if it's only 2%, it's 2% better than it was. And so um, I think that's a key. It's personal development um, as well. Nice, nice. And we have one final question for you, Brandon.
1: So how can you stand out or what can you do differently when you're in the same type of saturated business?
0: I love that question. Um, I've and I am Diva 1976. I, I hope that um I get a chance to chat with you offline in a in a complimentary session because I don't believe in I don't believe in um saturated markets. I'm gonna tell you what I mean by that. Sure, I know that a lot if you're an insurance agent, you're one amongst a whole lot. I do get that. In fact, I'm a consultant um, amongst a lot of consultants and what, what I realized over the years, and it took, it took me a minute to learn this is that when you figure out your target audience, where, where they're hurting, they don't care about anybody else because the goal is not just to become better than your competitor. Your goal is to become more accurate. What does that mean? If you went to the doctor's office and you're hurting in 10 parts of your body, your elbow, your head, your ear, eye, wherever. By the time you got to that doctor's office and he took the he or she took the time, out to say, OK, OK, based on my assessment, you're hurting here, here. And he named all those parts you're hurting at. How much more likely are you to go ahead and move forward with that doctor to, to, for a treatment plan? You probably would. You're not even thinking about your competitor in that moment. And so as a service provider, we typically uh, are in our heads. We like, man, I'm intimidated. Everybody else is doing this. I'm doing it. They are doing it. I wouldn't focus on them. I'm not saying don't be aware of them. Don't respect them. You should. I'm saying focus on. And this is a term I use in my in my in my uh, programs. I teach people how to create this. It's called uh, learning your top 10 industry pain points. What that means is you're one amongst other, several other people in your industry trying to, trying to go for the same client, but in your industry you have to learn what is it about those prospects or your target audience that what kind of things have they complained about, about your industry, not your business, but your industry. And if you think hard enough, there's some things you probably can think of. You can think of at least 10 things. Well, guess what? When you list out those 10 things, that becomes your marketing strategy. You begin to market and communicate in a way that serves those needs. Most of us have been in a, in a church setting or a public speaking setting and we listen to somebody speaking like, man, they sound like they they sound like they on my doorstep. They sound like they talking to me. Well, when you study your industry's top 10 pain points, you will sound like you're speaking about things that they they're hurting. In, and they ain't even talk to you because you will have understood where they're hurting. You become more accurate. And so that's how you stand out in a market that's saturated because you'll become more accurate. You'll be better at, at finding out where, where your target audience is hurting because that's all they care about is solving where you they're hurting. That's what they care about.
1: Nice. So, Brandon, where can everybody find you? Where can we go out, follow you, get in
0: contact with you?
1: Where Where, 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 where do we need to go?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm starting to spend a little bit more time on Instagram. Uh, you can look me up at therapy firm, uh, BP. That's my handle. Uh, also on LinkedIn, you can look me up on there. Brandon, Brandon Powell. Uh, yeah. Brandon DL Powell. Cause there's a lot of Brandon Powell's on there. Um, those are the two ones that I'm mainly on. I'm, I'm about to start getting on, on TikTok, but I know my limitations, you know, I, I've had a lot of great experiences on LinkedIn, case in point this evening, uh, how we met. And so those are the two you can find me. Or you can just, in fact, you can shoot me a text. Uh, I'll give my number out because I'm interested in helping. Uh 214-532-9972. Shoot me a text. Let me know uh that you were you you were a visitor uh for th- this evening, or you're watching this later and you you want to support. Uh, I will make sure to to do what I can to help out. What was
1: that number again, Brandon?
0: Uh, 214-532-9972. Okay. And do you have an email you wanted to give or? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they can reach me at Brandon at dot Yes, sir. Nice.
1: Nice. So, Brandon, what final words do you have for everybody tonight? Other than don't make the common mistake, not contact the therapy firm and follow the number one tip, contact the therapy firm. Um,
0: final words, I would say you can do it regardless of what you've been thinking about, uh, that business idea. And this is at every phase. If you've been in business for 20 years and you, if things are going well at one point and now it's not you still can do it what i've learned is that people that are gifted they what what ends up getting taken away from them is not having good branding and marketing because what it does is it it prevents people from really getting to see how great you are and and so i would say you can do it and don't get deceived if you if you're gifted and you're skilled at what you do don't let anybody tell you that you can't can't run a business successfully what what's missing probably is just good branding and marketing. It's not that you're not gifted. If you know how to work on cars, you know how to do that. When you was working for somebody, you still know how to do that. You just might be spread thin. That's not a reflection on whether or not you can have a successful business. You just need to have some time to, to, to delegate some things um, and shine as as bright as I know you can. So I believe in you look forward to supporting you. Uh, Please make sure to use that, um, that promo code TB, Uh, TF 23 and we'll make sure to honor a complimentary session and we'll give that what I call that first cousin discount. (laughs) So remember to go out
1: and get Brandon's book on his site, therapyfirm.com, the art of business Uh, you can go to the resource resources tab and you can find it there. So definitely go out and get the book Uh, and we are definitely going to get Brandon on here when book number six come out so he's working on that now so definitely excited about that and definitely excited about getting him back on there so make sure you go out and do that as usual follow the dope ass dude on um tick and instagram so go out and follow that um and then also i'm really excited about next week so be back here next monday at 7 p.m uh we're gonna have podcaster surge on the show And it's going to be a little different format for me. So I'm going to be kind of like unscripted and I'm just going to be following the flow. So make sure you do that. And then as usual, always be your own vibe. So you guys have a great night and we will see you next Monday. Peace.